welcome to The Trusted Advisor, a channel-focused podcast and video series powered by the Retail Solutions Providers Association. I'm Jim Roddy, your host for today. Thank you so much for joining us. This pod and video series is designed specifically for point-of-sale resellers and software developers, and our goal is to educate you on the topics of technology, leadership, management, sales, marketing, and other small business best practices. Today on the podcast, we'll be talking with special guest John Kirk, the president and CEO of the RSPA. John has served channel partners for over 20 years, including roles as the general manager of a premier Micros local office, also as leader as the America's distribution channel for Radiant, and he held that same leadership position with NCR following their acquisition of Radiant. Hey, John, welcome to the podcast. Hey, Jim, it's great to be here. Uh, Always a pleasure. And before we get to our questions, I can say that John is here by popular demand on calls that we have with RSPA partners. Uh, He's been explaining the vision for the RSPA for 2020 and beyond, and several of them have said, thanks for sharing that with me. That would be a great message to share with everyone. So that's what we're going to do right now is sharing it with uh, everyone through the the podcast. So, John, let's get to the punchline. Can you share the vision for the RSPA, its importance to the channel today, and where you see the RSPA moving for the future? Sure, Jim, uh, and, and that vision is, is really a filter that we look through uh, when we make decisions. And not only do we have a vision, we have a mission and we have a team trademark. So I'm gonna share all three of those to give you a sense for the personality of our business uh, and, and our team. So our, our vision is to be an indispensable resource. And during this conversation, we'll talk about ways we can achieve that and, and deliver on that vision. Our mission is to accelerate the success of our members through knowledge and connections and our team trademark, which is, you know, when you think of the trademark, this is what we'd like people to associate with us. When they think of us, they think of these words, a trusted thought leader driven to professionally serve our members as they thrive. And that that may sound like a a pretty innocent statement, but when you really dissect those words, a trusted, we've got to earn that trust. We can't just uh, declare we're trusted. We've got to earn it. Thought leader, which means we're, we're looking down the road a bit. We're trying to stay ahead of the business, stay ahead of the industry as much as we can and be a resource for our members along those lines. So a trusted thought leader, driven, not interested, uh, not motivated, but driven to professionally, not just serve, but bring an air of professionalism and a, and a rare air of professionalism along the way, professionally serve our members, not as they succeed, not as they get through this quarter or move on from one year to the next, but as they thrive. So, so that's what you can expect from the RSPA. And again, that, that vision of being an indispensable resource, that mission of accelerating the success of our members through knowledge and connections, and that trademark guide every decision we make. Got it. Very good. Thank you for that. So that's kind of the overarching what the RSPA is. Can you talk about looking ahead at 2020 and, uh, you know, maybe – the six months beyond that, so the next 12 to 18 months. What are some of the focus areas for the RSPA? Where do you see uh, the association moving? Well, we're not any different from any other organization. We've, we've got to uh, focus and limit the, the scope of our products and services so that we can be very good at what we do and separate ourselves from the pack. So. We talk about three plus one. There's three areas that we focus on, and I'll go over those uh, briefly. Uh, Number one, we want to deliver branded SMB content that you can't get anywhere else that informs the strategy of our members. So branded SMB content, when you think of it, 
we've got a community out there that is second to none and like no other in that we've got a community IQ that we can tap into, we can gather information, we can aggregate that data, and we can deliver something that is unique and valuable to our members as they move their businesses forward. So branded SMB content is a mouthful. Secondly, we want to deliver education in all forms. And that is everything from the big events that people associate with us to regional events, a little bit more of an intimate setting, a chance to drill down and a deeper dive on a subject matter. Dave Metton does a great job uh, driving those. Um, and uh, certainly the distance learning and, and even outsourced education for our vendor community. We've had vendors come to us after uh, making some sizable acquisitions and they're looking to bring some consistency to their channel and we can help them along those lines as well. So education in all forms. And then last but not least, uh, of the three, and then the plus one I'll speak of in just a minute, is an expanded social impact. And that really was driven by the great success and impact we've had uh, through our scholarship program. We've given over $2 million since the beginning of the scholarship program. Uh, and um, you know we realized we could do a lot more as great as the scholarship program is, and when you listen to some of the testimonials, you you got to be moved by them because folks from all different stages of life have taken advantage of our scholarship program. But it made us uh, realize that we could do more. We, we can't chase every natural disaster. We can't chase every social cause, but we can do more. And we really started this down in Sanibel where we built bikes for children that otherwise wouldn't have bikes. And most recently in San Antonio, we packed a thousand, we being our community, packed a thousand backpacks. And when you really stop and think about that, there was a thousand children that may have been hungry over the weekend, quite likely would have been hung, hungry over the weekend, and they weren't. Uh, now, we wish that was uh, a zillion backpacks, but you know we're going to take this one step at a time, and we think the expanded social impact is, is something that we can really create the uh, some very meaningful uh, impact uh, around. So, so it's something we really want to focus on. And then the plus one, you're involved with the plus one uh, in part. Uh, there's the legal services that our members have grown accustomed to, to benefiting from. There's security services that have been uh, you know, widely used and help protect our members and their customers. Uh, there's shipping benefits where there's great discounts. Most recently, we've added health benefits and and workman's compensation programs and payroll processing programs. Uh, that's really powerful. We've got uh, quite a few members that are actively uh, connecting the dots and working with group management services. We've got a special program. We're their customer and they're helping our members now uh, in the same ways and that they help us. And then last but not least, we're working with innovative office systems and uh, they are an impressive group. Lois Akeley has, uh, has kind of taken a, a lead position there for us. And to put it in perspective, they offer office supplies, logo apparel, and much more. And they actually, office furniture uh, is another good example, and they actually decked out uh, the uh, Minnesota uh, Vikings facility, which is a new facility, and they've installed uh, 35,000 pieces of furniture in that facility. So this is a first-class operation. And we think they can do great things for our members. And then last but not least, I said you were involved in one of those uh, plus one areas, and it's an important area, advisory services. Uh, one of the realities uh, of the RSPA is we've got a lot of smart people in this association, not just in our community, but in our headquarters staff.
folks like you, and, and you can sit down and provide valuable coaching uh, to our members, as can Dave Menton, as can other members of our team. So uh, we're excited about that. So three plus one, that's kind of what we focus on, and we think we're very good at it. Got it. Thank you for that. I appreciate the details. And I guess if you can build on the one point, you kind of touched on it there. You know, the, the RSP is really in the center of everything that goes on in this industry. We're not a vendor. We're not an ISV. We're not a reseller. We represent the entire community, and we're fortunate to be in the middle of that entire community. And oftentimes, we can mobilize the expertise of all our members and, and share that with folks. I guess if you can speak to that, I guess, uh, inherent advantage to being a complete industry association representing the entire community. Well, I'll do that. And, and, and let's, let's think about who those members are, because it's such a unique story. We've got some of the largest companies in the world in our association, and we've got companies that are just getting started and everything in between. And we've got every business model under the sun serving the retail industry. So it really starts with the members. It's such a unique community. Uh, and, and that's really, really, I think, our starting point. But we talk oftentimes, Jim, about elevating the RSPA brand. And, and I think that in order to really do that, we've got to be part of those the, the members' business models. Uh, they've got to think of us as an intricate ingredient uh, or part of how they go to market. And I think we've got work to do there because I do think we're still the best kept secret, whether it be helping a large vendor size up a market or the smallest folks just getting started, a small organization in a, in a startup mode. Uh, they want to size up a market. We can help them do that, uh, whether it be education and operations or sales or uh, any of those type areas where we can augment what they're already doing. Uh, we can bring great value there. And I think that's really the key for us to elevate our brand. And as you say, we're in, in kind of a, a pole, occupying a pole position. Uh, we've got to uh, make sure that our members know that we can play a, a very valuable role. And, and they should think of us not as an association, but as a resource that's really part of, of their business model. And, and, and that's something that I think um, for those that understand that today, they benefit more than those that might just see us as, as a, an association that's, that's holding an event. And, and let me just put it in perspective. Uh, any CEO today, whether they're the CEO of the RSPA like myself or the CEO of a, the biggest organization or just getting started, they're thinking about basic moving parts every day. They're thinking about growing market share because you, you've got to do that. You've got to grow share. They're thinking about optimizing resources so that when they grow the share, they're doing it at the lowest possible spend as possible. I'm sorry, the lowest possible spend possible without being a penny wise and a dollar foolish. Uh, and they're also looking to manage risks because there's risks out there. There's cybersecurity and there's other risks. Uh, and if I was to say to any CEO out there in our, in our member community that we could do what they need done in some measure and we could do it better and at a lower cost, they would look at me and probably say, let's get started. And, and I think that's a big part of our messaging. When I say elevate our brand and when I say become part of the very business models of our members, that's what we've got to achieve. So it starts with the member community, and you're right. We do have a poll position, 
and uh, a bird's eye view, so to speak, and we can do a lot of great things for our members. Great. Thank you, John. And before I ask you about some of the uh, changes for retail now in 2020 and some of the where the RSV is going to uh, expand, I'll just tie everything together with this one story that I haven't even shared with you yet, even though you and I uh, connect almost every single day. So and this kind of ties together everything that you're talking about. So uh, just recently, we published a blog post on the RSP blog uh, highlighting the workshop that we conducted at Inspire 2019. So the workshop about how vendors and VARs can work together better as partners. That was some branded content that we produced. So the blog post shared some comments from that, some highlights from it. And again, that content was all put together from our uh, resources, our members. Push that out. I had a member email me back and say, can I please get a copy of that? Because that would really help me in my business. So I just thought that kind of really ties everything together. Like the blog doesn't stand on its own. Inspire doesn't stand just on its own. The networking does, doesn't stand on its own. The brand and content, it's everything pulled together. And that's how our members can really benefit from it, just by being engaged and say, hey, I'm reviewing all the things that are offered. Let me pick and choose the things that are going to have the biggest impact on my business. I'm guessing that's kind of how you see the successful way that members use the RSPA. No question. And, and our team is special, uh, Jim. Uh, you look at Marie Perry. Marie Perry, in my view, can bring tools to the game that will help a member size up the market. And, and it doesn't matter what business you're, you're or what business you're in or what size business you are, you've got to size up what your op, what your opportunity is. And Marie can help our members do that. That's pretty basic, and it's it's very valuable. And there's a lot of businesses out there today that if you ask the CEO what their market share is, they they may not know. Well, that's a big starting point. What's your market share? Where are you? And what's possible? And what's a what's a, a reasonable ramp? So we can help with those foundational areas that uh, I don't know that our members uh, take advantage of it to the extent that they should. Uh, from an education standpoint, Kathy Meter is our Vice President of Education, and I think she's the best in the business. She has a terrific job of bringing attention to detail and a thoroughness to our curriculum and how we deliver that curriculum. So again, if you're a member out there, you've got access to Marie Perry. You've got access to, to Kathy Meter. Uh, Dave Metton is our member strength coach, and, and Dave is a, a person that uh, has uh, played at multiple functional areas on the front lines, uh, and he's got a lot of experience, and he can leverage that experience to the benefit of our members. Uh, I think of the folks that were here before I got here, uh, starting with Ashley Nagy, one of the most talented uh, folks on our team. Ashley does such a terrific job. She's got such great instincts. Uh, she's got a great uh, uh, approach at how she interacts with the members and, and serves the members and puts them first. Gabby Kaur is one of the more talented graphics designers and creative communicators uh, that you're going to, to find. And she does a, a terrific job and she's available to assist what we do every day. Uh, so, so you think of, of Chris Arnold, you work with Chris every day and um, uh, Chris, when I first arrived, uh, Chris was a contract employee, and he was here just a few months before I, I, I arrived, but it was easy to see that Chris had great discretion, great instincts, and great desire to, to make an impact, and, and uh, he's a professional, 
and he is a full-time employee now, and he has been now for uh, about a year. So uh, we're excited to have Chris on board, and, and I'm excited he gets the opportunity to work with you, Jim, because I think uh, that's a, a tremendous uh, combination. Um, and then look, look at what you bring to the table uh, with respect to your expertise in, in, the, uh, in the digital marketing space, uh, the miles on the odometer that you have working with the channel and assisting the channel. Uh, I don't think you can find uh, too many Jim Roddy's out there. I don't think you can find too many Kathy Meters out there. And you can go down our roster and uh, you're not going to be able to find them. And then there's Michael Millard, who's the newest member of our team. Michael's been here now for just over a year. And um, he's doing a good job. He, he, he's learned on the, on the fly. He's had a lot of help from his friends. And um, he's uh, making progress every week, and I think he's putting himself into the role. And uh, I, I see great things from Michael in the future, and his background's in the grocery store space. So as you know, we're the Retail Solutions Providers Association. So Michael's insight on his work with uh, a major grocery store chain uh, also complements uh, everything we do. So we've got a good team, and we've got an amazing community. And we've got valuable services. And, and all those things go together to really create a tremendous opportunity for all of us. Great. Thank you. Can you talk about maybe retail and start with retail now? Uh, also talk about uh, the expansion that the RSP is seeking uh, from a membership standpoint. What market's going after? I know this is uh, the part of when you've been sharing with some of our members that they're saying, boy, that's really interesting. Let's shout that from the rooftops. If you can share kind of those different parts uh, with our listeners and our viewers. And we, we've kind of put a, a jigsaw puzzle together here, and we, we need all the pieces. You know, it, it, we're in a business where you can't win with three out of four. You, you've got to get four out of four or five out of five. You, you've got to really hit on all cylinders. So we stepped back and said, look, we're doing a great job as a community, but, but how can we get to the next level? What are some of the refinements we can make? So the first thing we said was we, we've got a we, we we've concluded that we've got to expand our education tracks to touch more functional areas of our members' businesses. So uh, there may be an admin or an operations class in the future that you wouldn't have seen in the past. Uh, there may be a field service uh, a curriculum that you you wouldn't have seen in the past or a help desk at, professional. At so retail say, now, like the speci specific tracks at retail now focusing on the segments, yes. Yes, sir. Um, so so when, you, when you think of the expanded education tracks, that's the form that, that those expanded, expanded education tracks will take. And again, the context of touch, touch is touch more functional areas of our members' businesses. Now, a complement to that, kind of a second piece of that jigsaw puzzle, is more flexible registration pricing. So we're going to be looking at ways to make it easier, and let's talk about our VAR community, to send more people to take advantage of those expanded education tracks. Because uh, if you have expanded tracks, but you, you, you don't have sufficient numbers taken advantage of them, you're missing the mark in part. So uh, we're looking at more creative registration pricing, registration pricing to make it a little bit easier for our VAR community to participate. Uh, we've also identified four adjacent markets, I'll call them, that we think there are would-be members out there that may not know who we are. And I'll, I'll just list those four areas. The first is uh, a broader view of the verticals 
in retail. We want to make sure that we have good balance in the ver balance in the verticals. So there's some opportunities for us to get better there. So that's that's the, the first area. A uh, second area is service only companies. We've got companies out there that uh, service they provide service whether it be professional services or help desk services, even outsourced field service. Uh, we want to make sure they know who we are because they can help our members and, and we want them to be part of our community. And then there's two other areas that are particularly uh, uh, prime markets for us. The first is cybersecurity. That's an area that's only going to accelerate. And we've got some great cybersecurity companies in our space today as members, but there's plenty out there that perhaps aren't familiar with us. So we've got to do something about that. And then last but not least, what we're calling next-gen companies. And these are the companies that will bring robotics, machine learning, really forward-thinking solutions, and, and bring a little bit more of a fresh uh, perspective to our show floor and to our communities. So those four areas, a little, a little more balance in the verticals, in the retail verticals, service-only companies, cybersecurity, and next-gen, that's a third piece of the jigsaw puzzle that uh, we feel is pretty important. And we've got, and you'll be playing an intricate role there as we target market and target message and just make sure they know who we are. Very important. And then uh, the uh, the fourth piece of, of the jigsaw that we've got to get every piece for, and there's one more after that that's more of a result, is uh, we we the reality that we've got members today that are going to hold a gathering every year. And they're maybe going to hold a couple of gatherings. And the fact is, it just makes good sense in many cases for them to hold their gathering on the front end or the back end of one of our large events. And in doing so, uh, they will get more of their community exposed to great education and a great experience. They'll also likely trim some of their expense because it's one plane ticket versus multiple plane tickets. There may be an opportunity to benefit from our block. Uh, it's a great uh, environment for expanding your portfolio or expanding your channel. There's all sorts of reasons to take advantage of what we're doing and not hold a separate gathering. Uh, so that's an area that we'll be looking to put some incentives together to make sure that when vendors look at that as an option, there's, a, there's some really good reasons beyond what I just shared. So that's something we're working on. And then last but not least, as we complete the jigsaw puzzle, uh, if we were able to hit on all four of those cylinders, the result would be a more vibrant and valuable show floor and show environment for our vendors, our sponsors, and all the attendees. So we've kind of stepped back, Jim, again, and said, hey, what can we do to get to the next level? We're doing a great job. We've got an awful lot to celebrate, uh, but we're always trying to get to the next level and evolve, and, and, and that's a high-level recipe we've laid out that we're excited about. And, and I'll say this. We have... Uh, shared this with a number of our members and we've asked for them to uh, break it or to give us some input on on what they would change are we on the right trail are we hitting uh, and aligning with their priorities and we've gotten an overwhelming uh, validation that yeah, th th those are the right things to focus on great thank you for that it, it ties in with i know you have a coaching background i just think of uh, all the great coaches that i work with they kept saying get better every day get better every day. And that really sounds like what you're talking about is in terms of it's not, hey, this is how things have always been, and we're just going to keep staying and doing those same things. You're talking about how can we get better every day, not just as an organization, but to improve the value 
of being an RSP member. That's right. what it sounds like is a guiding principle for you. Well, it is, Jim. And, you know, I think people that do great things in this world and teams that do great things, they stay hungry. They never arrive. Uh, and you always have, you know, I heard a, an old coach once say, a bad case of the wants. And, and you always have that. And, and you, you can't take it away from people when they're wired that way. And when I talk about our team, you know, I mentioned every member of our team, and, and I talk primarily about their skill set and their background and their their approach. But everyone on our team, every member of our team is hungry to serve our members, and they have a genuine interest uh, to make a difference. That's why they're here. Uh, and um, I just think that's an, that that is a linchpin in what we're trying to we're trying to get done here. We've got great people that want to do great things and they're smart enough and capable enough to do it. And they're also smart enough to know this is what we got to do better. So you're hundred percent right. This is every day is day one. And, um, you know, we got a big responsibility and what an opportunity. This association was launched in 1948 by Stanley Heyman. And think of all the people that have walked these halls, uh, and and have benefited from this association, and now we're the stewards of it. And, and are we going to uh, sit on our hands? Are we going to be caretakers, or are we going to try to move it in a, in a direction it's it's never been it's never achieved in the past? And and I think the answer is obvious. We got a team here that's hungry, and, and we want to do great things. So uh, that's a I think that's a really important ingredient in, of any championship organization. Uh, but the members are what motivates us. And, uh, you know, that's what I want them to understand. If there's a VAR out there today, and we know there are plenty that, that haven't yet joined the association, uh, boy, I think the strongest ROI they're going to see in a year is, is right here. Uh, you know, give you an example, Jim. If one of those VARs that aren't in our association today have the occasion to consult an attorney in the next year, you've probably just paid for your membership and then some. And all the benefits that go with it would be extra. Uh, if you even thought of bringing in a sales trainer uh, to get your team to the next level, my sense would be the travel expense for one day would far and away exceed what it would cost to be part of this association. And I had a member tell me recently that they brought in some professional trainers to assess a size, a size up what they could do for them. And they said they didn't know the industry and they were extremely expensive. Well, we do know the industry and we can do it better at a lower cost. And it's an important ingredient for your success. So uh, this association should be part of your business model uh, when you, when you plan your strategy each year. So, John, I have a couple more questions for you, but first uh, we want to pause to thank uh, the sponsors who support the RSPA community and make this podcast, video series, and quite frankly, all the services that you mentioned possible. So our platinum sponsors are Blue Star, Heartland, ScanSource, and Shift4 Payments, and our gold sponsors are Epson and Tesis. Uh, to receive the benefits of an RSPA membership or RSPA sponsorship, email membership at gorspa.org. And also, don't forget to save the date for Retail Now 2020. Obviously, not a message to you, John. You've got this uh, already uh, in your travel plans. Retail Now 2020, August 2nd through 5th at the Venetian in Las Vegas. Retail Now is where the industry meets. And But before we go to Retail Now, um, as we're recording this discussion, the RSPA's annual winter conference, Inspire, 
is right around the corner. So for our listeners and viewers who aren't familiar with Inspire, it's the Retail IT Channel's premier executive leadership conference. And Inspire 2020 is set for January 26th through 29th in Nassau, the Bahamas. And John, on day one, you're participating in a presentation workshop about leadership. I know you've been a student of leadership and have worked with some great leaders in our industry. What do you think are some of the leadership lessons that you've learned or principles that you follow that might come out uh, on that stage there at Inspire? You know, it's interesting. I, I had a, a friend that worked with me uh, many years ago, and he was going back to school for his graduate uh, degree. And, and I was driving home from uh, uh, the D.C. area. I had a, a couple-hour drive ahead of me. And uh, he called me and he said, you know, I'm, I'm in a class and um, I've got to talk to folks that I've worked with. I've got to talk with five folks that I've worked with in the past and, and I've got to get them to tell me what do they think are the most, the, the three most important in, in characteristics of a leader. And that sounded like an easy question to answer. And, and I said to him, look, let me give you a call tomorrow morning. I'll think about it because you can get pick three and, and I'll uh, get back to you in the morning and we'll be happy to help. And I really gave it thought on, on the, the rest of that drive. And um, and what I told them the next morning, I wouldn't change after all these years. So so that's why I'll share that, Jim. Uh, the, the first, in my view, and by the way, we could name hundreds of characteristics of leaders, right? There's There's been think tanks that have come together and have tried to define leadership, and they come up with hundreds of definitions. So th this is not a, th this is not a, a question that can be answered by one person in one conversation, but I'll share the perspective and it may help some folks because it helps me and it keeps me grounded. So to me, the first characteristic and perhaps the most important is you got to believe because everything else stems from that. Uh, integrity, honesty, your approach, your consistency, it's going to stem from do you believe in what you are doing? So you got to believe and you got to be, and the way I define belief, Jim, if you were in a room with a thousand other people, and you were the only one that believed in what you knew you believed in, you won't be afraid to stand up and say, hey, this is how it's got to be done and why, and this is why I believe it. Now, you might get outvoted, and then you go run the play, but you would be heard, and, and you would not be afraid to be heard because you believe, and I think your team feels that or they don't. So every leader has to know what they believe, and then they got to go execute. That's number one. Number two, you've got to have empathy. You've got to put yourself in the other person's position as a leader uh, because it's tough out there. I remember when I became a GM, and, and uh, ironically, it was in Stanley Heyman's organization in the early 2000s. When I uh, joined Micros, Micros had acquired Heyman Systems, and uh, they asked me to come by and be the GM and, and join the organization. So I did. And on the first day, the first day on the job, I rode with a technician, and and I, I'll tell you, it, it was one of the best things I ever did because I got to see the traffic issues in the D.C. area. I got to see how hard it was to park. I got to see what it was like to carry parts three blocks and then not have the part you need. Uh, I got to listen to a customer in the ear of my technician, uh, and uh, you know, empathy. You you better put yourself in the other person's position. It doesn't matter what role they're playing, whether it's a CEO that you're working for or, or a new a person that's just joining the team. Uh, you've got to have empathy as a leader. And then last but not least, and you hear this a lot, servant leadership, I, I think you do have to serve people. It's always about people. 
you know, there's a lot of conversation going on these days about the different generational requirements as, as a leader. We've got different generations with different priorities, but I, all that's true. But what is also true, every one of them is a person. Every, every one of those folks out there have priorities. They have needs. They have goals. They have dreams. And as a leader, you better serve those dreams in some way, and you better do it in a sincere way, and it better be important to you. So those are the three things I shared uh, with my colleague many years ago, and I don't think I'd change him today, and I've had a lot more time to reflect on it. Uh, and, and I'll share a definition with you, too, and it's probably one of the best definitions of leadership that I've I've uh, been exposed to over the years, and I was 18 years old. I was uh, a tower guard in Korea, and I worked in, for some, some great folks in, in the military, and the best definition, pure definition of leadership that I ever was exposed to was back then. And, and, the, and the definition was the art of influencing and directing soldiers, we'll just say people, the art of influencing and directing people in a manner as to obtain their willing obedience, confidence, respect, and loyal cooperation in order to accomplish a mission. So that's, I think of that definition. It's an art of influencing and directing. Every once in a while, you got to call a play, Jim. And it's not always cookies and ice cream, right? Uh, you got to call a play. Not everybody's going to agree. So it's an art of influencing and directing occasionally. Um, the art of influ influencing and directing people in a manner as to obtain their willing obedience. They're not, they're not cooperating. They're not complying. They're cooperating when you're doing it right and you have the right team, right? Willing obedience, confidence, respect, and loyal cooperation in order to accomplish a mission. And that mission is pretty important. I always say love the team and love the mission in proper perspective. Because if either one of those things are out of balance, you're going to miss the mark. Because we got to get something done here. So it gives you a little flavor of, of maybe some of the underlying philosophy that I've, I've developed over the years through being around great people, making a lot of mistakes, and appreciating every opportunity. And uh, that's probably as uh, genuine an answer that I can give you. No, so those are great. And again, it's believe, empathy, and serve. Those are your big three from a leadership perspective. I think if you get that right, you got a chance to get a lot more things right. And there's a lot that goes with it. But but that gives you uh, the the license to go learn and improve every day as a leader. Exactly. Yeah. Like you said, there's a longer list than that, but you've got to get those three right in order to be a, to be a good leader. So, John, let me close with this. You, this, you shared some great quotes, and I, I want to quiz you on this. So I'm going to read the quote, and you have to guess who said it, and then we can talk about it, okay? So here's the quote. Absolutely everything undergoes evolvement, whether it's technology, journalism, the NFL, or medicine. So I guess, John, before we talk about that quote and, you know, the evolution of the RSPA, uh, can you guess who said that quote? Jim Roddy. <laughs> no, it was your all-time favorite NFL coach, Marv Levy of the Buffalo Bills. He was a philosopher, I'll tell you. Marv Levy's, uh he's a great one. Um, one of my favorite Marv Levy quotes is, where, where there's adversity, there's opportunity for heroism. Uh, but uh, now he was a, he was a great one and uh, took the Bills to four straight AFC championships. And uh, you know people remember the four Super Bowl losses. I remember four AFC championships and the most resilient team uh, that you can imagine. And, and I'll share this, Jim. You know there's a great quote on sports. You want to talk about quotes? I read this in Sports Illustrated back in the 90s. 
and, and I'm pretty sure I can remember it. It's, it's what better way than sports to demonstrate the scope of the human spirit. Oftentimes in sports and in life, the inconceivable becomes conceivable and it is achieved. And that's why, you know, my wife and I, she kids me all the time because she's not really that into sports. And, and I always tell her, Kim, it's, it's not just a game. If it was just a game, I wouldn't be watching. This is about, you know, struggling and persevering and achieving great things and, and taking on a challenge and doing things that people say you can't do. That's why you watch. And you talk about the Bills. Uh, you shouldn't have opened that up, Jim, because we're going to go a few, a few hours. Yeah. Yeah, we want to warn our, our affiliates. We're going to be going for the next 90 minutes or so talking about the Bills. Yeah, fasten your seatbelts. No, this will be brief, <laughs> but I think – Great. It's a great lesson about the, the Marv Levy teams, the Coach Levy teams. I don't even want to call him Marv. He's Coach Levy. Uh, you know, the Bills had lost two straight Super Bowls, and in, in, um, they were in the playoffs for a third straight year. And on the last game of the season, this would have been 92, uh, I believe, because they would have been playing in the Super Bowl in 93. So this would have been 92. They played the Houston Oilers at the time. Now they're in Tennessee, but at the time they were the Houston Oilers led by Warren Moon, and they got trounced. I think it was 27-6 to on a Sunday night. It was the last week of the regular season. Jim Kelly got hurt, and if the Bills would have won that game, they would have had a bye, and they would have won their division. Well, they didn't win. Now they were relegated to wild card position, and they're going to play Houston again, of all teams, the very next Saturday. So from Sunday night after getting trounced, they've got a date with Houston on Saturday. And Houston comes into Buffalo, and Jim Kelly's hurt because he hurt his knee the week before. Jim was a starting quarterback for the Bills that, that, that may not know. And um, Cornelius Bennett was in street clothes. He was a dominating linebacker. So they had two uh, starters. Uh, two Hall of Famers. Two, well, I don't know about Cornelius hadn't made the Hall of Fame yet, but he okay, might. Yeah. He might. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. I think so. Uh, yeah, and, and and then, and of course, Thurman got hurt at halftime, so he didn't play much in the second half Thurman, at all. Thurman Thomas, their star running back. He's a Hall of Famer. Uh, but anyway, the the, the uh, Oilers jumped on the Bills 28-3 to in the first half. So if you combine those scores, 27 and 28, and I think the Bills had a combined nine uh, over the course of six quarters, they were dominated. Uh, in, a, in a big way by the, the Houston Oilers. Now think about this. This is a team that already lost two straight Super Bowls. Uh, they were without their star quarterback. They were without Cornelius Bennett. Thurman's out early in the third quarter. And I remember watching that game as a fan, and I was thinking, you know what? If they can win the third quarter 14 to nothing, uh, they're going to be down 27-17 at home with a quarter to go. They got a shot. But they got to go out and win that fourth, uh, third quarter 14 to nothing. I remember rationalizing in my mind, if I was coaching a team, I'd probably compartmentalize it. Let's go win the third quarter 14-0. We'll take more, but let's get that done. And the first series of that game, uh, Frank Reich, who's, a, who's a, the backup quarterback now coaching the Colts, he throws an interception to Bubba McDowell, and Bubba McDowell goes all the way for a touchdown. So now all of a sudden it's 35-3, and it was eight minutes to go. And I remember looking at my uh, my my little son Jake at the time, and I said, I don't think the math is there. We, we, we're probably looking at the end of an era here, but we'll, we'll keep rooting for them. But I, I don't know that the math is there anymore. And the rest of the story, they came back and won that game in overtime. Uh, so when you look at sports and you look at perseverance, what an example. And I had an uncle at the time, Jim, that was uh, not in great health. He was a police officer for 35 years in Orchard Park, New York, and he wasn't in great health. 
He called me during that game when the Bills were coming back, and he sounded like he was 18 years old. <laughs> and and I, I, I put him on a speakerphone, so my wife guy said, listen to this. Now, now, this is not just a game. See, Uncle Dan, after this game, uh, he's thinking, hey, maybe I can get better. Maybe I can have a better day tomorrow. And, and anybody that was fighting something severe, whether it be financial difficulties or a health issue, I guarantee you they felt a little bit more hope after that game. So Buffalo is a great city. Coach Levy is a great coach. I appreciate you bringing him up, even though I didn't recognize his quote. He's a special guy. And anybody that remembers four Super Bowl losses, they're missing the whole point. Because think about it. You already lost two Super Bowls. You're getting beat by a team that just beat you Sunday. You don't have your full team on the field. You're down 35-3. to And somehow you have the energy to win that game. And the following week, they went to Pittsburgh. They beat the Steelers with Frank Reich at quarterback. And then they went to Miami and beat Dan Marino in the AFC Championship and went to their third straight Super Bowl. But we'll stop the story there for obvious reasons. <laughs> well, I'll just share the color that I have with you. So I'm in Erie, Pennsylvania, two hours away. And so a friend of mine, Mickey McMahon, diehard Bills fan, season ticket holder, was so frustrated at halftime of that game that you were talking about, the Oilers game, hopped in his car, head home, didn't even listen to the radio, finally got back to Erie, actually drove right to the hockey game that was going on, and they get on the and then announce, the Bills came yeah. back and won. And he's like, what have I done? So he missed the greatest comeback in NFL uh, playoff history. But there's a message, I guess, for our channel. There's a lot of change going on right now. There's some folks who feel like they're falling behind maybe, but there's always a chance to come back, and you just have to figure out what do you need to do in order uh, to get better. That's, I guess, one of the messages that, that folks can take away from this. Even the non-football fans, figure out what can I do to get better uh, every day, and a lot of it is found in the power of the community. Jim, you said a mouthful there. You can always come back. You can always come back. You know, there's a scene in Rocky in, 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 in round 14 when, when he gets knocked down and, and Mick's telling him to stay down. Everybody's telling him to stay down. Apollo Creed was relieved. He raised his hands. He turned around, raised his arms. thought, finally, this thing's over. And, and Rocky got back up real slow, but he got back up. He beat the count. And when Apollo Creed, Creed turned around, if you watch that scene, look at his face. He was like, his head went down and he was like, oh, I can't believe it. this is a guy that will not stop. And, you know, I think our, our community's that way. We're built with some of the – with and by some of the most resilient people in business. And those that are betting against them not figuring it out as we need to evolve in certain areas of our business, I think they're wrong. And uh, I'm going to bet on our team and our channel. And uh, I think we can do great things. So you're right. You can always come back. And as long as you remember that, you're Rocky. They're telling you to stay down and you're getting up. And Apollo is going to be pretty discouraged when he turns around and says, man, that, that guy's still here. Or that, that woman is still fighting hard or, or that team is still fighting hard. And uh, that's what we're about. Great. Well, to our listeners and our viewers, we hope you enjoyed our discussion today. If you did, be sure to subscribe to the RSPA YouTube channel and the Trusted Advisor podcast so you never miss an episode. We'd also appreciate if you rate us wherever you find your favorite podcast. The more stars, the better. And if you'd like to learn more best practices for VARs and ISVs in the point-of-sale channel, you can check out the RSP blog. You can find it at gorspa.org and then clicking on RSPA blog. Before we go, thanks again to John Kirk for sharing his wisdom with us today. Also, thanks to RSPA Marcom manager Chris Arnold for his production work, Joseph McDade for our music, and last but not least, thanks so much to you for listening. 
Our goal at the RSPA is to accelerate the success of our members in the point-of-sale ecosystem by providing knowledge and connections. For more information, please visit our website at gorspa.org. Thanks for listening, and goodbye, everybody.